This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. I know you're not used to hearing my voice right off off the top, but this is Charlie Dobbin reporting in for The Garden Show. Dean Holland will not be joining us today. He's on a special assignment in Goderich. Now, if you've ever been to Goderich, you know that Goderich actually is pretty, it's a very pretty town. It's actually called the prettiest town in Canada. So he's lucky to be there. And they certainly deserve that title because it really is a very, very nice town with lots to see and do. But I'd love to hear from you. You've got questions, you've got comments, you've got tips, tricks, techniques. For local uh, in the 416 area, give us a call at 416-360-0740. Or if you're outside of the GTA, give us a call at 1-866-740-4740. Carlos, of course, is standing by to take your calls. And let him know if you're a first-time caller, because... Though I don't have a bell handy, I can make a bell sound, and uh, we like to really honor and uh, welcome new callers with uh, some garden wings in the form of a bell, and also remember as well the, the mantra, call early, call often, one question per caller. Uh, now, right away, we are ready for our first break, but I do have a couple of announcements. So coming back, I've got a couple of announcements, and I had homework to tell you all about grapes. So right after these important messages, we've got lots more going on. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, we have uh, Judy standing by, but just before we get to Judy's call, I'd like to just tell you a couple things that are going on this week. The Harriston and District Horticultural Society will be having their June meeting. Uh, It's on June 21st, 7.30 p.m. at the Harriston Senior Center, 84 Arthur Street West. Um, The uh, topic is Inside Look into Ecological Farming in Ontario, which sounds pretty interesting. The speaker is Angel Bade. That is Harriston. Meanwhile, the Gardens of Markham Tour is happening next Sunday, June 25th, from 11 till 4 p.m. Tickets are $15. Uh, 11 gardens, beautiful, unique, rain or shine. Tickets available at Kim's Nature Plant Nursery, Sheridan Nurseries in Whitby, Tree Valley Garden Center in Stouffville and the Urban Nature Store in Markham. Uh, More about the Urban Nature Store coming up in a few minutes. One other thing is the special 66th annual Rose Show is happening at the Royal Botanical Gardens next weekend. So spend the day, get into the gardens, enjoy the Rose Show uh, either of those days, Saturday uh, 1.30 to 5, Sunday 
the 25th from 10 until 3. What's cool about Sunday is all the stems that are part of the show, the cut rose stems, will be for sale at the end of the show. So that's kind of fun as well. Uh, quickly, I'm going to just remind you of the phone numbers. <clears throat> Locally, 416-360-0740 or long distance, 866-740-4740. And Judy is standing by. Good morning. Judy, what's going on at your place? Hi, good morning, Charlie. Well, I have small creatures that I don't want to become big problems. Uh, um, aphids on a very old rose. Oh, oh, okay. So aphids generally are not a huge problem, and this is the perfect time of year to find aphids on roses. So anybody with roses <clears throat> should be outside scouting for them as we speak. You'll always find aphids on the newest growth, the tips of the plants. You'll know they're there because the leaves will be curled. Uh, I have some on my burning bush right now as we speak. I saw the curled leaves and I opened up the leaf and there was some black aphids. Aphids come in all colors. So be prepared for black, orange, gray and green, every color in between. On your roses, you have a couple options. An easy option is just water, just uh, the hose, high pressure, blow the aphids off. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have roses behind a rose, you might just be blowing the aphids onto another plant. So sometimes that isn't the first choice, but it is a way to really lower the population on the current rose. Um, when it's not hot and sunny, so today at my house it looks very clear, so you would not want to use any pesticide sprays on a hot sunny day at midday. But, you know, sun going down, sun coming up, so early in the day, late in the day, a simple mm-hmm. soap, like a safer soap spray or a soap you make yourself, not detergent, but a 40 parts soap to one part, sorry, the other way around, 40 parts water to one part soap spray, sprayed on the aphids will knock them down, as will a simple pyrethrum spray. So don't hesitate, just you don't need any big guns on this. Aphids are soft bodied. They're also very, um, open to predators. There's a lot of other insects that eat aphids, including birds. So that's why we try to avoid the chemicals if we can, because you don't want to kill the other insects that are eating the aphids. And that's where the water can be quite useful. Like I said, just to lower the population down. And um, the aphids will just keep an eye on them. You you do want to control them, but they won't kill the plant. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I've got four roses, and one of them only always gets attacked by aphids and Japanese beetles. The other three seem to be protecting themselves. So uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that was, that happens, that there's such a difference. They're all roses, but they have different genetics, and uh, the insects know it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this this particular rose that always gets infected is not very pretty. The flowers are not spectacular. So I was wondering, should I keep it just to be a magnet for the Japanese beetles and the aphids? Or if I get rid of it, will all of those little bugs be in the soil? So they'd come back on the new one. Uh, Okay, good question. Sometimes you're absolutely right. We will keep a plant, which will be our control, if you will. It tells us when aphids and Japanese beetles are in the neighborhood because they all go to that plant. Many of the grape growers use roses on the end of the rows of grapes 
for just that purpose, to see mm-hmm. when the aphids are in the neighborhood. They will not overwinter in the soil. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. But if you got rid of that rose, then you might find that you just have fewer aphids and or Japanese beetles in your garden, or you may find that they'll move to another plant. So hard to say for sure. I've had Japanese beetles go right past my roses to go to my beans because they've really enjoyed my beans, you know? Well, so there's no, it's just not, uh, it, 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 sometimes, yeah, if they're not going to the roses now, they might find something I'll say like. So it depends, I think, on the size of your yard and how much room you have and how much pleasure that big old rose gives you. Um, you know, if you have a big enough yard, then what's a plant that isn't the best in the world? But if you have a small yard, you really want each plant to really, really shine. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little townhouse garden, so really small, packed full of stuff. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, um, all right, well, a bit of a tough one to know exactly what to do, but like I say, not too hard to uh, eliminate. Well, I'm glad that you say that it won't kill the plant. That was my biggest concern. Yeah. No. Okay. So, no, unless okay. it's a very weak, sickly, uh, unhappy plant or newly planted, uh, tender, sensitive, you know, not quite established plant. Aphids are, are just a passing thing that they just suck juice out of the plant. They just yeah. suck juice out of the newest tips, which is the sweetest liquid. So I was reading online that, that you can spray neem oil, but that it is poisonous to bees. Right. Um, I found neem, some neem oil in yeah. my cupboard that is for face and hair. So it's like for human <sighs> grade. And I was wondering if I just rub that on the stem below the bud, if that would help to keep get rid of the aphids. No, no. I wouldn't. You, I, I, frankly, neem oil is pro- what I would consider big guns. Oh, I wouldn't okay. use neem on aphids. Aphids are just too easy to kill in, in other ways. Neem, you might want to use on something like Japanese beetles because they're a little tougher. But again, you're going to mix that with water. You're never going to use it straight. So it's going to depend on the concentration. It's actually not registered as a pesticide in Ontario. As far as I know, neem is only registered as a plant shine supplement to make your leaves shiny on your plants but it can be quite effective as a pesticide it goes back thousands of years um but to to really put that together properly to spray i wouldn't put it on a rose and i wouldn't definitely not do it when it's hot and sunny in the middle of the day all right judy thanks for your call we gotta go to a another quick break and then we're coming back to chat with maureen Bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, we do have some lines open if you'd like to call in. Love to hear from you. Locally, the phone number is 416 3600740 outside of the GTA 8667404740 so remember uh love to hear questions about what's going on in your garden and like Dean always says indoor plants outdoor plants any plants but also you might have some tips or tricks or techniques something you'd like to share with uh some of our other listeners in the meantime we have Maureen on the line good morning Maureen Good morning, Charlie. First of all, I'm going to make a comment. And the comment is that everyone should listen to you when you tell people that you must create the right conditions for a plant. Because 
I bought a wild, a wild Irish rose, and it hadn't bloomed. Three years, no blooms. It's mm. blooming like mad. Beautiful flowers. And I told my best gardening friend, I said, look it, it's a miracle. She said, Maureen, it's not a miracle. That branch fell down from the cherry tree, and now it's getting enough sun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, then, so my next question is, um, how often should you feed roses? Mm. Okay, depends what you're feeding with. <clears throat> Number one, roses need to be planted into a good quality soil. So you don't, if you have real sandy soil or very clayey soil, you don't just bang roses into that kind of a soil. You need to supplement with organic material, whether it's, you know, um, homemade compost or composted manure or whatever organic, you know, access you have to leaf mulch, any of that to amend the soil to make sure that it's fertile and it's well-drained. So you don't want soggy. Roses hate soggy soil. So get make sure you've got the right soil before you, you've planted that rose into that sunny spot, as you point out, uh, six hours plus of sun in order to have a great rose. Fertilizing, I personally, <clears throat> in the spring, before the leaves are out on the rose, but the buds are quite, sh are showing. So the the living canes are green, they're shiny. The dead canes are gray or black. Uh, the little red buds, everything, they're just ready to burst. I'm out there on my hands and knees and I cut my roses down. Now, this is not climbing roses, of course, or even shrub roses, though all roses need some attention in the spring, whether it's the dead, the diseased, the damaged canes. All roses need some trimming, some pruning, some cleaning up. And it's at that point that I'll fertilize. But I'll use a granular fertilizer, one that will last for about six weeks on the garden. You know, it's the old broadcast, like you're feeding the chickens. Uh, it's not a liquid. It becomes soluble in the rain or, you know, irrigation. But either way, it's not, it it's, will last in the garden for a number of weeks. If you prefer a water-soluble fertilizer, one you mix up in a watering can and then, you know, the blue stuff and you water the roses, you'll need to use that at least once a month or once every three weeks. But no fertilizing after the end of July for any of our perennial plants. So you're going to start fertilizing in the spring which might be March, it might be April. If you're fertilizing monthly, you'll fertilize in May and then June. And potentially you can even fertilize in July, depending on the weather. If it's really hot and dry, do not fertilize. You know, hot, dry is stressful. Fertilizer adds, adds salt to the stress, salt to the wounds. So don't fertilize if it's hot, dry in mm -hmm. July. But certainly through the real act of growing, that's when we fertilize. Yeah, I did give it some in May and I thought it was a water-soluble one. And I thought mm -hmm. I would give it I would give it some more, and I know you're right. And I, uh, I always, I never fertilize even on a hot day. And I know you say you should wet the soil first. And you are so right about cutting back. I was always a little nervous. And my rose bush that I have in the front, I cut it way back, like you said, and I've mm. got 25 blooms on it. I've never had that before. <laughs> I know that's great. See, that's great because you overcame your fear of pruning, and that it, what you experience is very common. But pruning is one of the most; it invigorates the plant so much. Yeah. So you, so everybody, listen to Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Maureen. <laughs> Oof, I have a fan. <laughs> Thanks, Maureen. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, okay, who have we got waiting here now on the line? Because we do have some calls. It looks like June is calling in from Mississauga. 
Hello. Morning. Hello. Hello, is that you, June? Yes, it is. Good morning. Good morning. I just have one question. I have a peony bush that was in full bloom last year. This year, I got one flower, no buds. Okay, so what's the difference? Well, all right, I can double check this, but we do get used to plants flowering every single year without, you know, delay. And then every now and then we'll have a year where it's bountiful blooms, and this happens all the time with fruit trees. Uh, And then the next year we have virtually no blooms and no fruit. It's... I, like I said, I will double check if this happens with peonies. You haven't moved the peony, right? I did read somewhere um, when I went online that if it gets um, touched by fertilizer that it doesn't like, mm-hmm. it gets snobby and goes dormant. <laughs> we, did, we Well, they're, they're so touchy, right? So we did um, put out some fertilizer and grass seed. On the mm-hmm. grass, although the peony bush is in a wooden bin, my mm. son says he was well, keeping it close to the ground. But mm. I'm just wondering if it's possible a couple of flecks might have hit the bush. <laughs> okay, so that is possible. And that we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes when I go back to report on my grape uh, growing grapes homework. If we want our plants to flower, like grapes and peonies, we have to be careful to not give them a lot of nitrogen fertilizer. Of course, lawn fertilizer is just that. It's high nitrogen because nitrogen grows leaves and stems, and that's what a lawn is. So um, you're right. It could have been uh, exposed to some high nitrogen fertilizer, which basically just encourages a lot of leaves. Um, the peony most peonies have by the I will bloom. grant you that. Um, but my second question is: Will it come back next year? Yes. Yeah, I was just going to say: remain okay. calm, remain patient, plan on having a big show next year. I think that's well, exactly. Okay, what's I happen. will go with that. I just figured if <laughs> you're going to be a snit and go into dormant, I'm going to take you out. But um, no, that's fine. That answers my question. Um, Have a great day. And thank you. I love the show. Thank you. Thanks for calling. And I think that is goes back to another mantra, which is gardening is an exercise in patience. Never, ever give up on a plant right away. I mean, I've I've been known to threaten some of my plants that are just not performing. And but I always threaten them for at least a couple of years, like two or three years. If they still aren't performing after two or three years, then yeah, hello, composter. But um, I don't, yeah, never give up right away. Always give your plants a little bit of time to come around to do exactly what it is you want them to do. And that's sort of the bottom line. It looks like we've got, um, is it, yeah, Lynn is on the line calling in from St. Catharines. Good morning, Lynn. Are you there, uh, Lynn? Hello, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can, yes, thank you. What's going on Hi. at your place? Um, I have a question about my dogwood. Um, I planted it in 2021, and uh, yes, uh, last year it had uh, beautiful leaves. Didn't get the little white flowers that dogwoods usually get. But this year, um, the leaves have not fully come out. I wonder, I listened to your program a couple of weeks ago, 
and I heard um, a fellow calling in, and he said his red maple had not come out late, mm. and you said it could have been because we'd had a cold snap mm. after having some heat, mm-hmm. and the leaves kind of stunted. Yeah, and slows them down. Puts them in, yeah, sends them back. So what kind of a dogwood? Do you have any idea? What does it look like? It, it's, um, it's, I think it's called a Katsura. Oh, a Katsura, did you say? K-A-T-S-U-R-A. Okay, so the Katsura is a tree or multi-stemmed bush. It is not a, a dogwood. It's a little tree. It's about... It's about six or seven feet high right now because, okay. I, as I and said, as, I only got it a couple of years ago. Okay, and it has heart-shaped, small heart-shaped leaves, blue-green sort of a color? They're green. Yeah, they're green. They're not blue-green, I wouldn't say. Okay, so I you know what might have happened? Light. And I, I've seen this quite a bit in my neighborhood where we had um, – first we had that – April, you know, summer heat wave. Then we yeah. went into a more regular May and everything was coming along. And then uh, in early June, I was in Spain when this happened, but we had that another serious heat wave go through. And a bunch of plants, we hadn't had water for a number of weeks. A bunch of trees just stopped and proceeded to look very unhealthy and uh, leaves got scorched leaves dropped stress was was quite evident stress coloration red uh, showing on maples that sort of thing uh, and it had was strictly to do with water and now katsuras if that is what you've got um, like you say begins with a k proper name is yes. cercidophyllum they are heat, uh, water loving plants particularly for the first five or six years so you have to maintain uh, irrigation on those plants with great consistency so make sure it's yes. not suffering from lack of water yes now, the leaves look healthy that are on it and like I said, it had the little white flowers, but just not a whole lot of leaves. Like they're okay. small. Okay, so um, I'm a bit confused because cats are, don't get white flowers. Many of the dogwoods do. Um, well, what I would do is double check the tips, make sure all the tips on this tree have growth, green, fresh new growth and if they do then i would just remain patient and allow it to do its thing if any of the tips look a bit brown or um brittle or um for whatever reason dead i'd get out my pruners and i would tip prune the tips just like an inch off of the tip if it's not living and growing and showing new growth that's the the best you can do at this point in order to just push out a little more growth on those plants but uh but otherwise i wouldn't worry if it's got leaves it's alive it'll do its thing at its own pace all right okay okay thank you very much yeah, thanks for calling, Lynn. Uh, I'll give Bye. the numbers again just quickly. <clears throat> we do have a couple of lines open. So the local number is 416-360-0740, or the out-of-Toronto number is 866-740-4740. Uh, looks like we've got Gloria on the line, and she's calling in from Scarborough. Good morning, Gloria. Oh, good morning, Charlie. Nice to hear your voice again. I, I listen every Saturday. <laughs> I have I have a European beech nut. I've been living in my home for 50 years, and it was there when I arrived. 
Um, uh, periodically, I've only had it uh, uh, this bug. Oh, I think it was about four or five years ago. <clears throat> it's back again, and they're it, they're just they're little black they're little black bugs with orange on them. They crawl very uh, slowly. You can squish them with your finger, and that's what I've been doing with my shoes, with my fingers. Uh, would you happen to know what that is? Huh. So they're, sorry, they're red, or they're black with red? Yeah, it's on, the, on their back. It, the bug itself is only, it's very small. It's about uh, less than a quarter of an inch. It's uh, small. And they're everywhere. They're on the sidewalk. They're on my, my front door. They're black. They're very tiny, small, and move very slowly. So you can just... I, I've been spraying them and... and, and yeah. I'm a real <clears throat> so gardener. They, I use my bare hands. <laughs> do they look like they have wings? No, they have no wings at all. But they have a little aphids? touch of red. It's either a red or an orangey color, like a, like a, a stripe. I don't think, like I caught a few of them, but being a senior, um, I don't drive my car anymore. I can't get up to a nursery, yeah. and uh, it's very difficult for me. Yeah. So what are you spraying with? Um, I'm spraying with a, a soap uh, um, three in one, it's called three in one, or insecticidal soap. Yeah. Okay. So three in one is soap plus it has oil, canola oil in it. Yeah. Um, all right. So you've got that at home, but <clears throat> how about it's a pretty old tree? I would imagine it's been there for a long time, so it's oh, large. Oh yeah. I, this tree is higher than my second story. Yes. <laughs> so the hmm, rain you know has brought the the bugs down a lot. They're, get, uh -huh. they're getting less and less, but I'm just wondering, is this harming my tree? Honestly, I'm not exactly sure what it is, uh, but beeches, and a beech is such a beautiful tree, and if it's that old, it's actually a very valuable tree. It's probably adding a lot of, believe it or not, a, a lot of beauty to your, your landscape, but also a lot of value to your home. Oh, what yes. I Everybody that do, I've, I've, I've me. The, the nuts that you get in the fall, I've made a wreath out of them. People oh, admire my tree. It's like a purple leaf, uh, oh, green sweet. and purpley. It's gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. So my point is this tree is valuable, and we should not risk the tree, uh, the tree's health for any reason whatsoever. Mm -hmm. What I would suggest you do is call a, in your neighborhood a local certified arborist, they will come to your property. You'll set up an appointment. Just explain the, the situation. Come to your property and and look at the tree and recommend next best steps. Okay. Uh, the consultation typically doesn't cost money. When you hire them to do the work, you will pay some money. A uh, big tree like that, you really can't spray yourself. You need specialized spray equipment. And then the question is, does this tree need to be sprayed or is this just a passing insect that's you know, kind of floating through and is not actually challenging the health of the tree. But it is really the, the an expert would need to look at this. Or if you could send me a photo of the insect, if the, you've got a, a neighbor or somebody who could use a phone and just send me a photo, my email address is c 
for Charlie dot Dobbin at mzmedia.com. I'm happy to look at uh, photographs, uh, something like that, if that might be of use as well. well. I'll, I'll but yeah, don't. Your, I'll take it again, dear, because um, I'm in my 80s and I'm very slow at everything. So it's E. C for Charlie, the letter C. Okay. C and then period or dot. And then my last so name, Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N. So C dot Dobbin. This is my email address at mzmedia.com. Um, yeah, and, and again, if you have any a person in your life who's got a phone or access to the Internet, they can look me up quite easily on the uh-huh. AM740 website and uh, and contact me through there as well. But, yeah, that's okay. my best suggestion, Gloria. That, that beach mm-hmm. I would not want to risk. And if anybody has a clue, black, tiny black insect, a little bit of red on it, what that might be, let me know. I'm happy to hear from you as well. We do oh. need to go for a quick listen to some of our sponsors, but we'll be right back after that. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right. Uh, We do have some callers on the line, which is great to see. Before we get to our callers, I just want to report back on the homework I left you with last week. We had a caller named Anne who called in from Waterloo and commented that her grapevines were not giving her any fruit and they had been planted, I think she said about three years earlier. Now, I failed to ask a few questions like, for example, what kind of grapes? Uh, What were they being grown for? you know, making jelly or being grown for wine, because of course there's a lot of different grapes out there. But here's the bottom line on why grapes might not flower and or fruit. Because remember, before you're going to get fruit, you got to get flowers. Could be that the plants are too young, too immature. Uh, I can't remember exactly when um, Anne said she had grown these, uh, planted these grapes, but expect at least a minimum of three years before any grape is going to give you fruit from the moment you plant it. That's assuming it's a grafted mm-hmm. grape, so grafted onto a rootstock. If you grow grapes from seed, which sometimes people will do, then again, it's a much longer, up to 10-year wait before the plant is mature enough to produce fruit. So it could be just a a maturity uh, situation. The other thing, of course, is grapes, just like roses, want full sun, six-plus hours of sun every day. Uh, Nutrients, and this goes back to the the color about the peony. Uh, What about um, too much nitrogen on grapes will give you lots of leaves, so then you don't have a lot of flowers or fruits. So be very careful when you are fertilizing grapes that you're giving the right fertilizer at the right time. Remember, you can't go wrong top dressing your plants with organic material like compost. Compost will do a slow feed to your plants. And it turns out um, grapes generally like a slightly acidic pH. So you can always check for pH, make sure you're in the right range the pH range in order for the plant to be able to access the nutrients that you're providing. 
And finally, pruning. We prune our grapes in late winter, just like all of our fruits, our apples, our peaches, our pears are all pruned in late winter. Uh, we're doing that to open the plants up, to promote sun, to promote air, to promote the growth of flowers and fruit. So proper pruning is important as well. So hopefully that helps Anne with uh, her issues with her grape. Um, it's pretty easy to grow grapes, but it's not always that easy to get a great bountiful harvest. So good luck with that, Anne, and uh, thanks for asking the question. Um, let's see what Morag has to say. She's calling us from a topo. Good morning. Morning, Charlie. Um, how do I tame um, for the summer the spring vines that I have that have tripled in size, those spade-shaped ones with the green and white and the purple flower that stands up? They're almost controlling part of my garden, and I need, you know, the summer summer flowers, <laughs> summer growth now. Well, so I'm just, is it periwinkle, do you think? No, 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 it's not periwinkle. It's green and white. And then the purple stand-up flower, and and sometimes it gets sort of a, a rust red, a rusty red on the leaves as the spring, um, you know, continues on. And it, is it lamium or dead it nettle? Could be, it could be that. Yeah, is that silvery so? sort of leaves? Sorry, green and white, so silvery yes. sort of leaves. Yes. If if it's land, yeah. So it's but it, basically it's a ground cover. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's, and it's doing a takeover. Okay, so with most of the ground covers, they, one of the reasons we grow them is because they're so vigorous. Uh, they, you know, they just climb everywhere, pl grow everywhere, like you say, into the lawns, you know, up the side of your house, up your trees. So don't hesitate to get out a, a sharp shovel or a trowel and just um, sh cut them out where they're bothering you or where they're overtaking other plants. Um, they will withstand this uh, no problem. Um, yeah, it's not agapodium or goatweed because that has a no. white flower. No. Uh, there's a few that are so, so fast growing that we consider them invasive. That's why I was mm. just thinking, you know, could that be a problem? But yeah, generally speaking, any of your ground covers can be controlled by you being the master, getting out a sharp shovel, sharp trowel, uh, handy dandy, um, like a even a blade will uh, slice through and get the roots, obviously, when you're pulling up the stems that are mm. becoming troublesome because they will grow right over top of some of your favorite plants if you let them yeah so cut them off yeah they start they 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 start to grow in little tiny patches that mm -hmm. seeds are spreading the roots and you know they go through the garden too yeah so sometimes we end up regretting planting some of these things <laughs> i am um, i once had planted a clematis a very very vigorous clematis beneath my roses because i thought it would make an amazingly beautiful ground cover beneath the roses but it all backfired when the clematis went up and over the roses <laughs> so it was like where did the roses go they were under the clematis so i pulled that out the next year because that just wasn't working so sometimes you have to sort of go hmm that isn't working so yeah don't just, just be you know be the master just pull out whatever's giving you a problem and at the end of the day you know you might have to remove all of it hard to say Okay. But should should be okay. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. All right. Our, our final quick break. Right, We'll be right back after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, let's go directly to our phones. We have John calling in from Lindsay. Good morning, John. Hi, how are you doing today? 
Excellent. What's going on at your place? I just want to know, you know, your irises, okay? Um, what's the I, I, what's the difference between a water iris and a, just a regular iris? Uh, it's the roots they grow on. Um, a, what you're calling a regular iris is often referred to as a bearded iris, and it grows okay. from rhizomes. So it looks like um, ginger roots, like they're big roots. They right on the surface, uh, and the stems arise out of those big rhizomes. So they're right. They're irises with rhizomes versus the moisture loving like the siberian or the japanese they have a much more traditional fibrous root system like you would see on the from most of our plants you know the, the small roots none of the big rhiz rhizomatous roots that's the difference and and the water right so the traditional irises do not want to be in the water wet spots because the rhizomes will rot versus the other with the fibrous roots are happy in a nice wet spot Okay, because I was, I was, uh, maybe I didn't know it was going to be a stupid question or not, but like I said, it, uh, I, it just, I couldn't understand what the two differences were, but now I do. I really appreciate it. We love your show. Thank you. It's no question is stupid. I'm sure you've heard that before. Don't worry. <laughs> we all start somewhere with, with our, I wonder why. <laughs> so thanks for calling. Uh, okay, we still got a couple of minutes left. Let's see who's next here. It looks like Cheryl, who's calling in from St. Catharines. Good morning, Cheryl. Uh, good morning, Charlie. First time caller. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Welcome it's, to the show. Don't be a stranger. You. I'm an experienced gardener, and I have a gentleman friend that is also an experienced gardener, and we are both stumped by what my honey locust shade master tree is doing. I specifically bought this type of tree because I didn't want the pods and stuff dropping, but mm -hmm. this year it's 20 years old, and uh, this year it is dropping thousands of seeds, like little seeds, everywhere, and like my deck is covered. I brush them off every day, and it's covered again, and I don't know why it's doing this. Now, I had it professionally trimmed last year by an arborist um, just to take the dead branches because, you know, it gets dead branches on the bottom as it gets uh -huh. taller. Yeah. Yeah. Could that yeah. have caused the tree to do this? So, you know what, this is a really interesting question I because I agree with you. I'm having some issues. I have a sunburst honey locust at my place. What I have found this year, and like as I mentioned earlier, trees and shrubs don't bloom the same every year. It takes a ton of energy to produce flowers and seeds. So we'll usually see they go the flowering of any of our flowering plants goes up and down year after year. My honey locust, sunburst honey locust, is covered in flowers this year. Now, they're not showy flowers, but just like you, covered in flowers and seeds. And the leaf or foliage growth has been very slow. Um, so it's, it's, it's alive, but it's got more, almost more flowers than leaves on it, which eventually they'll drop onto the lawn. You're getting them on your deck. Um, I look around my neighborhood. Everybody else's are much more leafy action, but not the same flowering action. So I think this, it, it's certainly not a pest. It's not a disease because these are great trees for not being problematic when it comes to diseases and pests. They're lovely, soft, mm -hmm. dappled shade. I mean, one of my all-time favorite so-called shade trees are the honey locusts. So if I were you, I would not be concerned. Just keep sweeping up the mess, and next year will be a whole different situation. You just will not see that level of seed or flower. 
Okay, I was hoping there, there was an easy answer because they're going to have a small uh, garden show in St. Catharines, mm-hmm. and my li- home is on the list. And <laughs> I thought, I'm going to be working for days trying to get rid of all of these before they come. <laughs> <laughs> so get out if you have a blower or something, see if you can blow off something. No, don't do that. They yeah, will drop. No, I'm a they, senior. Yeah, I can't, I can't lift the, the blowers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I don't like them. So, yeah, just it's it, it's I I think it's just a seasonal thing. It's just we're seeing it this year. We won't see it next year, but again, time will tell. So, good luck with the garden tour. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, uh, all right, mere seconds left. I want to tell everybody what's going on next week. Uh, and so remember, I'll go back to call early, call often, one question per caller, because I'm sorry to say we don't have time for any more callers today. Uh, so you might do call in early next week. Next week, we have a special guest. I'll be in studio with Paul Oliver. He'll be representing the Urban Nature Store. And he has been on the show before. He knows an awful lot about birds and nature and, you know, how ecosystems work. But he always brings with him some special treats for the listeners, um, uh, special deals, special contests. So listen in for sure next week so that you can be part of the giveaways that will be happening next week. I hope that uh, Dean will be able to join us in studio, but I'm quite confident that Dean will be at least joining us by Skype, if not in studio. So that's uh, that's going to be a fun week. And um, yeah, remember as well, a number of things going on with the garden tours and um, uh, yeah, just now speaking with them, um, with uh, uh, Cheryl about her garden tour going on in St. Catharines. I have a friend here who's part of a Pickering Garden Tour that's coming to the county and she's racing around making her garden as pretty as she can. So good luck for all you garden tour participants. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your great questions. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.